I'm Matt Garrow-Fisher and this is the Burn From Within show. Each week I interview inspiring people who have changed their career or life to light up inside. So if you want to get excited about your Mondays, work on meaningful projects and have more time for the passions and people that matter to you, stay tuned. On this episode, I speak with Seb Terry, author and TV host of ESPN series 100 Things, What's on Your List, and founder of the global peer-to-peer kindness platform, Kindsome. This interview is a blueprint for living with no regrets. So listen all the way through as we step into the moment when Seb made a decision to change his life. We learn how he got super clear of his real purpose, one which everyone secretly wants. We discover how challenging yourself gives clarity of who you are and what you are capable of and you'll spark ideas so you can make your authentic impact on the world. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Burn From Within. And on today's show, I have a really inspirational man by the name of Seb Terry. Seb is a TV host and author of the book 100 Things. He's traveled the world and he's now set up a peer-to-peer giving platform called Kinsum, which we'll hear about later on in the show. But what really struck me about Seb is that he's actually living his life of passion and purpose. And it all started from uh, a significant event. Like most of the people that I've interviewed in this series, some significant event that changed their life, changed their perspective. And in Seb's case, it was the passing of one of his dear friends in Sydney, Chris. So Seb, welcome to the show. Hi, um, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. I'm great, thanks for joining us. And uh, so I talk, I talk, I talk uh, on a sad note about, to, to start the show, but we'll, we'll, we'll head up to more positivity later on. But I mean, you know, sad things in life actually do change us and do make us take action. And when you take yourself back to that time when you were 24, I believe, and you were backpacking around Canada and you suddenly got the news that that your friend Chris had had passed away, what what was that like at the time? Well, it was interesting. I mean, at that point in my life, I was just drifting, really drifting. Just uh, got a degree at that point and I I just happened to be in Canada. And at that moment, and I got a phone call late one night, and as you say, it was the news from a friend of mine telling me that Chris had passed away. And it was the middle of the night in Canada, and I, I remember him telling me that. And then I don't really remember much of the rest of the phone call. And like Chris was, we were super close growing up through school. And then after that, university, I went to university, Chris didn't, and we sort of carried on with our lives. And so, you know, we weren't um, like the best mates hanging out every day or anything like that but at one point Chris and I work like we used to row surf boats play rugby and you know all that sort of stuff and it just made me reflect uh on life firstly on his how he lived it and then on mine and I to your point before these sad moments generally are the things that allow us an opportunity to get closer to brighter moments and you know through positive choice and yeah, that was it for me. I remember thinking particularly if Chris could live his 24 years again, would he change anything? Would he live the same way? 
And I came to the conclusion that he wouldn't change anything. I thought, wow, he's happy. You know, he did all the things. He just lived as he was. He, he was authentically himself. And I thought that's all that you can really ask. I mean, how amazing, you know? And then this notion of happiness just came in my head straight away. And I thought, well, am I happy? And if I died today, would I change everything? And having never thought about life from that perspective before, very quickly, I realized I would change most things. I was drifting through life. I had no idea who I was. I was a sheep. I was just conforming to all the things people had told me, all the things society had suggested I do. And I did not know who I was. I didn't know how to be happy. I didn't know my values. I didn't know what lit me up inside. And, and that, of course, is when I thought, well, let me write a list of things that will make me smile because I just want to be happy. So I thought smiling is kind of like the, you know, the physical manifestation of being happy. So what's going to make me smile? And that was the beginning of my list. And it changed my life. And I'm still going. And, um, you know, it's been a very interesting, 10 years on, more than 10 years. And it's, it's turned from a very personal journey to try and become happier into a this very accidental kind of global movement around people sharing their lists with me everyone wants to be happy it turns out which is great and then kindness is the latest thing everyone wants to help each other out and so it's it's been completely unorganized chaos and it's been beautiful at the same time yeah it's amazing to have that clarity uh, so early on in life about a, a goal like what makes me smile and you know i think about you know, very successful businessmen and, and celebrities who have all these other goals. Um, but ultimately, what is their end goal? And, and actually, for all of us, it is to, to smile and to be happy. But to have that pinpoint accuracy of that goal of, right, what things can I do to make me smile? And bypassing all of the other stuff that gets in the way of that. Uh, it, for me, it's inspirational, especially, you know, watching your talk and, and, and reading your book. How did you decide to make such a big change to, to start creating this list and then traveling around the world? Was that, was that something that was kind of really out of your comfort zone for you? No, it was a, this is the crazy thing. It was such a large contrast to the way I'd been living, but it was the easiest decision I ever made. And it was purely because in a moment of complete raw authenticity, if you will, I just realized I wasn't happy and I just thought about it and it, dawned on me ever so clearly like a like a you know not to try and make this sound dramatic but at the same time it kind of is I just realized for me at least all I wanted was to be happy that is it that was it and so yeah I just made decisions that would allow that to happen and so it was easy I mean it sounds drastic I pulled myself out of a very normal way of living I left Australia I said goodbye to friends and family I I walked away from a business that had made no money at that point, but went on to make money for other people. No one, you know, I was 28 at the time when I actually left. I looked silly to most people, family, friends, no one supported me, but I just knew it was a step towards happiness. It was the easiest thing I ever did and has been since, which, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, but I mean, I, I just think one thing, which is I've just been talking about this with friends recently, but this idea that, you know, there's so much stuff spoken about in the world. You know, I live in Venice in LA and like, you know, it's all about enlightenment and this and spirituality and all beautiful concepts, by the way, but, um, you know, concepts and, and realities. But I mean, just life is so, it should be simple. If we could all boil down the thing that we just truly, truly want. And I dare say that being happy is ultimately what we all want. We just want to feel good. If we knew how to feel good, and we knew what those steps were to get to that point, we would all do it. And it's easy. It just is. 
And so I, yeah, I don't know. I want to be able to say, well, no, I'm special. And I've worked out a formula on how to be happy. No, I didn't. I just realized there were certain things I thought I could do to make myself smile more. And I, and I pursued them. And the offshoot of that is, of course, it had, it's had a big ripple effect. But yeah, no, in the, in the first instance, it was, it was just that. And so, yeah, I did. I very quickly found myself on the road backpacking with no money with a list of a hundred things, just telling people when I'd meet people, what are you up to? I'd say, Oh, I've got a list and I'm just trying to do these things. And you know, it's, it's still kind of how I operate now, to be honest. Yeah. I think one thing that kind of sparks my curiosity is, you know, people, people kind of pursue money a lot and they do that and they want to have security and they often lose sight of passion. I interviewed someone recently who, who was a, a millionaire and he, he lost everything. He actually didn't lose his money, but he, and went in a motorbike accident his wife died and it took him years to rehabilitate and then he he actually became a, a yoga instructor and lives half of the year in in india and he said that um, one of the learnings i had from him was that uh, actually he didn't need all this stuff and all of these like kind of insurances and boats and cars and lake houses when he when he thought about it it didn't none of that made him happy and it he stripped down the bare essentials now he lives in Know, hostels in India and he has lots of money but he doesn't need it and he realized and it goes right to that point of what do I need to do to feel happy and he's like minimized that and he's and now he's happier than he's he's actually ever been which is which is fascinating um yeah so my, I guess my my the, the question I had for you was if you take yourself back to when you had that business and, and the business didn't do well and then you then you created this amazing movement what was the kind of difference between then when the business wasn't working and now where you've kind of created a movement, you've kind of set up a lifestyle in, in LA and doing talks all around the world. What was the biggest difference between you as a person, perhaps your identity or your purpose uh, now and, and back then when you were, when you were struggling? I think I've just learned to be me. Mm, okay. I think that's it. I just think we're told to be so many different things from a very young age by our parents, by culture, by society, by business, by peer pressure, generational trends and all those things. And, and it's, uh, it's very easy and it's forgivable as well to see people as I was just going, okay, cool. And you sort of subscribe to all the things and that you'll allow that to influence you and you end up being a product of society. But I think in that, the risk is that you completely lose yourself. And that's what I had. I, I hadn't even found myself. So I was just drifting. I, was, I wasn't doing it. The thing, when I allowed myself permission, which is a really important word, you give, because a lot of people are like, how are you able to do what you do? Is it because you're wealthy? Or is it because you're lucky or brave? Or like, no, 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 no. I just gave myself permission to be happy. And I chose to pursue that. Anyway, I, I kind of lost my train of thought. But yeah, it, it, it was a very simple, very simple decision to, to step away from that. And so the difference now is that this journey, and it's kind of the, the irony is I'm known a lot for the things I've done on my list, crazy list, it's abstract and it's da, 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 and it is all those things. But retrospectively, I just learned that the 100 Things list was simply a vehicle for me to get to know who I was better. And I dare say the secret to living a happy life in my opinion, a life where on your final day on earth, you can look back and go, I wouldn't change a thing, is if you're able to A, figure out who you are, which in itself is a journey, and it's always changing, by the way, and B, just learn to be that person. 
just unapologetically be that in every aspect, whether it's business, whether it's personal, whether you're living in a city, whether you're living in an ashram in India. You know, I, I'm really fortunate. I get to speak to a lot of people as you have done, you know, doing, doing this series and this book. And it's, um, yeah, I just keep finding the commonality between the people who sleep well at night, the people who would deem themselves successful in, you know, in the way that they would, be it financial or personal or whatever, that they're all just being themselves. And, and I think I know who I am at this stage of my life, at least. And I didn't at the beginning. So it begs the question, who are you? If you were to look in the mirror and, and say to yourself, I am, what would you say right now? What a great question. Well, I am happy springs to mind. I've sort of started, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you've been to Venice here in LA, I mean, and for anyone who's listening or anyone who's reading, for any of those people, there's a lot of people talk from a, a, a spiritual perspective here, you know, the sense of oneness, the sense that love is all. And I, I'm starting to see it more and more every day. So I think, not to sound too weird, but I think I am love. I think I am you. I think you are me. I think we're all completely connected to each other and to some source of some some kind. That I, I don't know what that is, but I, I feel it and I'm exploring it. Yeah, but I am me, that's for sure. And I'm so happy to practice that every day. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that on especially your podcast interview with Kieran Ray, you, you said a few times that, you know, if, if things don't, if, if you don't like something, you just don't care. You just, you, it doesn't bother you. You do stuff that is important to you, and if, if things get in the way of that, you just don't care. It's not, it's not even on your radar. There's something I really kind of that stood out for me in that interview. Have you always had that that kind of uh, sense of I'm, I'm going to do what is important to me, and everything else is secondary? Or is, is that something that changed on your journey? No, it definitely changed. And I still battle with it now. Actually, I mean, I, I, I'm very considerate of, of other people, and I. I do often think about the ramifications and I don't want to put people out. I don't want others to, I, I put others first, which is a very nice thing to be able to say, but it also can be uh, a little bit destructive. So I've worked on that. So I, yeah, before this journey, I used to not know who I was and everything else was, I wanted to make sure I looked okay there and I did the right thing by that person and they were okay. And the last person I thought about was me. Now I know I'm a good person and the things that I want to do, um, good in nature in essence there's nothing destructive about them and i know they're important to me and i also have a philosophy that you need to put your oxygen mask on first before helping others i think it's also crucial to then help others once yours is on but i know that you have to be happy and you feel fulfilled and certainly on the way to finding your passion or purpose otherwise you're not going to be as productive for other people in your world and so yeah there's something that i think is very important that i do and it's going to make me happy, I'll do it. And I don't care. I, I, yeah, I don't care. I mean, I say I don't care. That There are times when I do. Um, relationships are another thing altogether, in which I'm still trying to get my head around that. But, you know, how you, how you compromise and how you make sure everything's fine and balanced. But no, I think generally, like, yeah, now I know what I need to be the best version of myself, which the ripple effect is having a very positive effect on others. So, yeah, I'm uh, very... I don't know what the word is. I was going to say aggressive. I'm not aggressive, but I'm uh, very steadfast and headstrong when it comes to doing the thing that I know will make me better. Yeah, and you've used this uh, metaphor of uh, putting your oxygen mask on first before helping others several times. How do you know when it, when it is the point to help others, where, when you've got enough oxygen for yourself in life? Because there's, you know, there's some people that are 
you know, chasing certain goals and they want to become wealthy or get to a certain career level. And then they start thinking about helping others. Well, maybe they never do. And then there are other people who literally have absolutely nothing, but they're just giving, giving, giving all the time and mm. almost detracting their health, but still helping. So how do you find that balance of when to, when to give? Yeah, well, for me, I just knew, I just felt it. I'd been doing my list. I ticked off all, you know, I lived on a deserted island and I delivered a baby and I did stand-up comedy and I walked across the country. I did all the things. And then at one point, uh, a guy who I didn't know called Mark, who since I've become friends with, emailed me and said, can you help me do something for my list? And I thought, wow, that's odd. Interesting. I actually really feel like helping him. And I, that was it. It was just a feeling I knew. And, and that, you know, sort of changed the trajectory of my journey in a big way because I realised at that point that I'd focused on myself. I had my oxygen mask on. And then since then, it's, it's been mainly 90% about helping other people. But you, you mentioned, you know, how do you know when to look at others, help others? When do you look at yourself? What I've seen and what I've observed is that people typically are one or the other. They're either entirely selfish or entirely selfless. And neither is healthy. Um, you need to have balance. You, you really do. I mean, you, you need a solid foundation. You can't fill anyone else's cup until yours is full. There's a million analogies. But then equally, although it sounds fantastic to go and help other people and be of service, I mean, you can't only do that. You need to look after yourself. So I get, I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of correspondence with, um, with parents, mainly mothers. And the, the general tone is, I feel lost. I don't know who I am anymore. I've given all my energy to my family, my son, my daughter, my children. They've just flown the coop, let's say. They're 18 years old and they've left. And I don't know who I am. I've got no purpose. So, yeah, it's very important that people understand this sense of balance and that, yeah, you bring up another point. What is purpose? What a big, overwhelming question. But, you know, and certainly passion is tied into that. But if you understand at least some of both, you, you know definitely what you're passionate about and you're working towards your purpose, that keeps you alive. That's your oxygen mask. And you can do that in unison to helping other people along the way. So, yeah, it's a bit of give and take and, and it's a fine balance. Maybe a bit different for everyone, but you've got to do both. Yeah, one thing I noticed from interviewing purposeful people is they a lot of people had a shift when they started to do voluntary work or, or do some kind of charity work or start helping others. So, for example, um, one of my one of my guests, Phil uh, Evangelou, he he set up a charity in Africa because he he was in Africa. He started just helping people out. He started giving toys to the kids, and then he just thought, "Wow, this is making such a difference." And he felt it. He felt. Uh, if the actual physical experience of helping someone, in this case, helping kids in, in Africa, it, it changed it, changed him as a person. And I see that pattern in you with, when you were with um, Mark and you helped him out, you had deep conversations with him and eventually I think you, you pushed him uh, down. The, is it, was it the Melbourne Half Marathon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark had Lyme's disease. So mm. he was quadriplegic and yeah. he was able-bodied, got bitten by a tick contracted Lyme disease, became a quadriplegic, and his dream was to complete a half marathon. And he asked me to push him, and I pushed him. So that was the first time I ever helped anyone, yeah. And so when you had that experience of helping Mark, how did it change you as a person? Because for me, I've noticed that it, that kind of prompted you to, to do a lot more and, and actually start, start your journey of this charity giving Thing that yep. the phenomenon that you've 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 created, Kinsum, and, and and growing that. So, how did it change you internally? 
interestingly, there's a lot of science around this. So physiologically, you do actually change from being kind. You know, you live longer, your heart size increases, you're healthier, you, you reduce the risk of disease. I mean, it's, it's, you sleep better. There's ke- pleasure chemicals fill your body. So there's a lot of physical science to suggest or to prove that it's good for you. But I mean, uh, on, a, on another level, I just felt like I connected with someone. And I've been connecting a lot with myself, which is what my list was initially about. But no, helping Mark and helping anyone, I dare say, is about the connection. And it's not, what I noticed is that I, I felt something I'd never felt before, which was I was being of service to someone, even in a small way, but I was being of service. But yeah, the, the interesting thing about helping someone is it's a two-way street. It's not that you're helping someone and that's it. They're allowing you an opportunity to be good. And that's what I think we're here to do. We're here to be good. We're here to connect. And so by someone saying, hey, I need help with, in his example, uh, completing a marathon, I need someone to push me, he creates an opportunity that never existed before for somebody, and it happened to be me, to go, oh, I want to help you because I want to connect with you. So I connect with him and he connects with me and it's this beautiful, you know, circular thing. So yeah, I just felt good. I felt of service. I felt connected. And interestingly, at the end of that race, there was a few of us starting, starting the race early Melbourne, very cold to do the half marathon. By the end of it, there was like 10 or 15 people that were pushing him. And so complete strangers had started to join us. And it became very clear at that point for me, very early on in this whole helping piece, that we are all here to help. We all want to. We all have this innate desire and this innate ability to help other people out. And the issue for me is, the issue that I see at least, is that there's a lack of opportunity. People just don't know how to be good sometimes. And it's hard. If you set someone a challenge, hey, be good to someone today, do an act of kindness, they wouldn't really know where to go. And, and of course, I won't talk too much about what I'm up to with Kindsome, but that's exactly what I'm doing, creating opportunities for people to be good to one another. Sure. I mean, I, actually, I was, I was interested to talk a little bit about Kindsome because that, I think, well, that started from, from this encounter with Mark and, and now it's, it's growing into something. And could you tell me a little bit about some examples of the, the exchange uh, that, you've, that you've witnessed on that network that, that really yeah. kind of come out to you? So Kindsum is a matchmaking kindness platform for peer-to-peer acts of kindness. It introduces people who want to help to people who need the help, but non-monetary, purely based on the fact that I can't help everyone. Since I helped Mark, a lot of people started asking me for help. So I stopped my list at 72, started helping a lot of people, which I'm very proud of. And it was turned into a reality show and stuff, coincidentally. And what happened is every one person we started helping, there were many more who we couldn't help. And I thought, well, that's no good. So people very naturally who were following my story online, social media, what have you, began writing to me and asking if they could help me help people. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So I've now got this backlog of people who I'm unable to help by myself. And I have suddenly this whole pool of people who want to help people. I just need to introduce them. So that was the beginning of Kindsome. It was a platform for those people to meet each other directly. So far, the story's been so diverse, you know, from saving a dog on doggy death row, who's going to get put down in a populated pound. We found a, a new owner for, for him in a day to currently we are looking for a kidney for someone who needs a kidney. It's a big one, of course. We just wow. helped, we relocated a war veteran who had very limited funds. Him and his family needed to drive across America to relocate. And it was completely sourced and driven by strangers uh, who came together to do it. 
uh, what else? Um, a lady in hospital as a last wish wanted to hear live music again. So there was a lineup of musicians who wanted to go and play for her. There was a guy who, who lost his eldest son uh, and he wanted to commemorate him by building a treehouse for his remaining kids. He didn't know how to build a treehouse though, so we shared the story on Kindsome. And 20 volunteers over three days flew to uh, Bend, Oregon in the US and built a treehouse for him. So it's just, it's plentiful. I mean, even to, I, I promote, you know, a lot of these stories a lot of the time. So today's one is a, I've just promoted this a few hours ago, a lady, she's a, a single leg amputee, I guess. She, she's in a wheelchair. She rescued a dog herself that was going to get put down in a, in a doggy death row again in Texas. And now she wants to train the dog um, to become a therapy dog for people in hospitals, war veterans, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so she's asked someone to help train the dog. So it's stuff that, I mean, that story may not appeal to anyone, although I'm sure it'll appeal to just someone. And that's all we need um, because given the opportunity, someone will want to reach out and help her. And that's kind of the whole philosophy of this, you know? Wow, that's an incredible, incredible platform. And yeah, I mean, if there's any way that we or the listeners can, can do to promote that, then, then really? we will, for sure, yeah. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, look, I mean, one thing I always ask, if there's anyone listening who needs a help, needs an act of kindness, deserves an act of kindness, or knows somebody who they could nominate, go to the website and, and nominate them and share their story because there are people out there who would want to help them. And then we're always looking for like kindness ambassadors, you know, people who want to find free people in their local area who need help and, uh, and, and put them onto Kindsome. There's a, yeah, there's a whole bunch of ways. So if anyone's interested, we'd love to hear from them, yeah. And I mean, for people that are not used to helping or giving, for example, they might be stuck in their, their career and really don't have much time to, to think about helping others. I'm reflecting on the benefits that, uh, that I've had, some of the other interviewees have had, and you've had in terms of helping Mark and the difference it's made to your life. What would you say to people that are thinking about helping but are not making the time to help right now? Like why, why should they do it? Not, maybe not for selfish reasons, but, but how, could, how could it make a difference to their lives as well? Well, I think as much as it's easier to say, hey, go out there and be kind, I think kindness works both ways. You, know, you can be kind to yourself too. If someone wants to be kind to somebody else and they know it, they just need to go and find the opportunity. As I said, there's sometimes a block with that. It's hard to find opportunity, but get in touch with me and I'll, and I'll give you some opportunities, you know. And also there's, there's this kind of like false understanding that to be kind, to be of service to other people, you need to donate money and you don't. You know, there are people on the website who are lonely and just want to talk to people. And again, uh, smiling at someone, asking someone how their day is. In fact, being present in a conversation is a wonderful gift nowadays, which sadly is rare. Not many people are present. Everyone's on their phones. Um, it's crazy. But yeah, uh, past that, be kind to yourself. If you're not feeling uh, a certain urge to be kind to, to someone else, that's not bad. Just make sure you're kind to yourself because you'll get to a point where you, where you can be. And being kind to yourself can be, from, you know, again, to baby steps, playing a song you like, uh, eating a food you like, connecting with people, being healthy, making a healthy decision. Maybe even making an unhealthy decision. I mean, it's, it's, this thing of life is wonderful. There's no set formula, I don't think. And, and kindness exists in many, many ways. But regardless of whether you're being kind to yourself or whether you want to be kind to someone else, the one the common factor that without which you won't be successful is, is action. You just need to do it. 
there's no two ways about it. You just need to do it. Yeah, I mean, talking of talking of action, I think when you take yourself back to, to when you were starting these hundred things and, and then going on to do various things like being a TV host, writing a book, a lot of people will have limiting beliefs about about being able to do great things and, and do it and in particular doing their own thing, following their own path. Did you have that that sense of, I don't know if I can do this? Because you mentioned earlier that you know a lot of your friends and family were like, especially when you were 28, said, what are you doing? Like this yeah. is crazy. How did you battle through other people's opinions of, of you doing your own thing, but also maybe more importantly, your own self-doubts and, and, and perhaps limiting belief? It, yeah, really good question. I almost didn't go on my trip, my 100 things trip, you know, one way to get to the US because my best mate said, you're stupid, what are you doing? This doesn't make sense. I'm glad I did. I used to care a lot more about what others thought of me and I think a lot less about that now. I don't care, really. So within a degree, I mean, obviously, uh, there's a little bit of residue there, but we're all working on stuff. So, but no, I mean, one thing that was really interesting with me is that I didn't really have a set outcome or an expectation. I just knew that I wasn't happy and I wanted to try and find it. So I just went out and explored. So there was no real pressure. I wasn't attached to making a million dollars, making a million followers or whatever. I just wanted to go out there and try and be happy personally. So I didn't mind that at all. I, I think that probably helped um, very much in the process. It was something that I've got a tattoo on my back, which it's, a, it's from The Little Prince which is a kid's book and it's in French, but it, the English translation is one can only truly see with the heart, the essential things are invisible to the eyes. And I believe that, you know, I was just looking for something that was intangible. It was something that was invisible to the eyes, but it was very important. And so, yeah, the, I, I don't know. I didn't care what others thought. And I, and I just knew that trying was the key because I mean, the other thing on that is I back to your question is because I tend to get off questions a little bit. As a default, I tend to think that we completely underestimate ourselves as humans. We don't think we're capable. And we are. We're each as capable as one another. We each have our physical bodies, whatever they can, whatever they can't do. That's what we have. And we each have these amazing minds to dream and think and to conjure up thought and aspire to do things. So none of us are different. Not one person is doing something because they're more special than someone else. It's just that they try it. And when you try just once on one thing, and it can be a very simple thing, I'd suggest it is a simple thing to start. And I guess I'm speaking to the people out there who always find themselves on the start line but never take the first step. Think of one simple goal and just go for it. Don't care what happens, just try. And you'll surprise yourself. And you'll realize even just 1%, oh, I'm slightly more capable than I thought I was. Continue that as a pattern and you'll be at the finish line very quickly, thinking that you're invincible, as I do. You know, I within reason. <laughs> I haven't been in Venice that long, but I think I'm pretty invincible, you know. On the way to enlightenment, especially in Venice. <laughs> oh, I'm not even sitting in the seat right now. I'm just hovering above the ground. <laughs> I mean, I think in terms of your life, you've done a lot of travel, Seb, and, uh, and now you're living in LA, you're from Oz, from Sydney. What effect do you think changing your environment has in, uh, on finding your purpose, finding out what you care about in life. How has that helped you, perhaps? Well, I think there are different stages of life, right? And, uh, you know, whether it's they change every couple of months or whether it's more over a couple of years or decades, 
I, I think the travel at one point was very important for me because it was exploration. My list was, I lived a pretty sheltered lifestyle. I didn't know who I was. So I wanted to explore and try and find that. So travel was a natural part of that. I wanted to try this particular thing in India. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get in a Bollywood movie in India. I wanted to marry a stranger in Las Vegas. I wanted to, you know, surf the Amazon River in Brazil. So travel is very much, it goes hand in hand with that stuff. And so, yeah, I think changing a physical environment is really healthy. I think it allows you to see, you know, different things. It just expands the mind, different cultures, a different way of being. But I also don't think that it's, it's wise to just continually do that. No, not necessarily. Like right now, for example, having spent, you know, probably like eight years doing a list, now I'm in this process of building what I think is a, what I think is going to be a very impactful kindness platform and travel at the moment isn't something that is massively appealing to me i don't want to go i, I like my home base is la and i like being here because i get to work on this and i don't want to be traveling and gallivanting around so i think travel is is so incredible and can be so beneficial in parts of your life where you need to do that and in others it's not as beneficial as feeling somewhat anchored and having a base which is where i'm at now but um yeah, I, you know, we've all heard that saying, travel is the best education you'll ever get. So, I, you know, I dare say that travel is, is a very important piece of the pie when you're talking about how do you develop as a human. Yeah, travel is one part of that. Sure. And, uh, I mean, it sounds like you've got quite a busy lifestyle at the moment, doing various gigs, uh, speaking gigs, and, and like all over the world, and particularly all over the States and back in, in, in Oz. With such a hectic schedule, when if you compare your life now to how it was when it was maybe much simpler, how do you find time for balance? What, and what is balance for you? Uh, maybe maybe you, you haven't got the balance yet, I don't know, but where are yeah. you at with that? Well, it's a good point. I mean, look, I, I'm by no means sitting at the top thinking, being able to say, this is how it all works out, by the way, guys. It's not that at all. I'm continually trying to work it out, right? I probably don't have, I think, what I don't do is give myself personal time. So over Christmas and New Year's, I went down to Mexico with a couple of friends for no reason other than I wanted to go and surf down there. And I never really do anything for myself purely for myself, if that makes sense. And it, and it probably doesn't to people who don't know me and just think I'm a guy who has a bucket list of things, you know, because essentially that is me doing the things that I want. But since that stopped, I pretty much work. I travel only to go and do, you know, deliver keynotes on stages to corporates around the world, which is amazing. What an opportunity. But it's, that's why I travel. I never go, oh, I'm curious about surfing in Mexico, which is why it was such a, a telling kind of trip for me. And I just got back a couple of weeks ago and I feel incredible. But no, I do think that's important. I think balance, balance is great. Now I'm grounded. I went and bought myself an infrared sauna a couple of days ago, which is super cheap, by the way. And I, so it seems now that my morning routine is I'll go for a surf, I'll come back, I'll jump in my sauna. It's an infrared sauna, so you can, you can work from in there. So I get my phone out and I do a few little bits and pieces. I have my little cup of tea and then I just get stuck into some work. And I, I, you know, the rest of the day plays out as however it does. But if I get the morning right, I, I feel that that's a good balance for me too. But yeah, I, everyone's different. Some people are very homebound and other people love to be out there. And, you know, I'm just one of many, many different types of people. But for me, balance seems to come right now from being anchored to a spot and occasionally travel. I'm fortunate I get to travel. I'm off to Boston in a couple of days for a really cool meeting. And, uh, and then I'm back to Australia a week in a week or two to do some talks. And then I'm back here. And 
I'm taking a couple of trips this year through 100 Things. I think we're going to go live with nomads in Morocco. So I'm looking for like 15 people to come with me if you're interested. And then, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm fortunate that, it, it, you know, I think I've got pretty good balance being at home and, and, and traveling and, and working on stuff, which is really important to me. And then also, you know, personal creative projects too. You just got to try it all. And I think everyone finds their own cadence at one point. So, I mean, talking about working on stuff that's important to you, um, I think a lot of people find it difficult when, when they get given jobs or tasks, either from their family or from work, where it's not, it's not aligned with maybe who they are or what's important to them. How would you approach that issue if, say, for example, you got a, an offer for something, but there was something more important that, that you wanted to do? How do you find it easy to say no? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think being able to yeah. be confident in making those decisions comes down to understanding your values. If you understand your values, which, by the way, always change, but if you understand your values at that current time and an opportunity comes your way, you can just quite simply just see which value it aligns with. And is it your top one? If so, go for it. If it's not, and you know, if it's not, don't, basically. It's kind of like, ideally, I, I, a guy called Tim Brown told me this. He's a meditation coach in Sydney. But when presented with a fork in the road, go both ways. Or like take both, I think it was a, something like that. But the idea was you can usually do both. If you can't, yeah, that's when it's important you do values. And, and values is, is, is the bedrock of a meaningful list. I don't like the term bucket list, but let, let's just use it because we know what it means. A bucket list shouldn't be a sporadic kind of collection of things that you think are cool in one moment. A true meaningful bucket list should be a complete derivative from your values. So yeah, values are crucial in many, many ways. But if you know what your values are, you can very much be proactive to seek out things in your life that empowers those values. When I did my list to begin with, it was all about adventure, travel, liberation, breaking the shackles. And so my items were crazy. And now my values have changed 10 years on. And so too should lists. You know, your goals should change as your values change, as you get older so I don't want to do a, a massive amount of adventurous stuff right now I, I kind of like the idea of like grounding working hard creating something that really has a bit of a legacy and helps other people so yeah it's yeah a no is a very important word which I only learned after starting this this trip you know sure sure I mean another thing that's that a few people have mentioned to me about you is you've kind of gone you've followed your passion and kind of made this a career like a or doing, doing talks all around the world, TV shows, etc. Did you have a plan for all of that? Did it just kind of, did it just fall into place as you were following your passion? What, like, what, what happened there? Yeah, it just completely fell into place. I don't even know how. It's funny because I get so many emails from people like, "How do you get onto the TED stage to speak? How do you get a TV show? How do you become all these things?" And I have no idea. I mean, well, I say that kind of like a bit of a joke. Like, I, I don't. It was never a plan. I never, ever thought about it. My first, I got invited to do a talk once, uh, my very first talk ever to a school, and I loved it. To a little school, and, like, all these little kids were, like, into it, talking about lists. And then I looked up, and I saw that, like, the teachers were all into it, too, and, like, some of the parents were, like, crying and stuff at the concept of me talking about happiness. And I thought, I'd like to do this more. So I Googled. And I was already kind of like three years into this journey. I Googled something like, can you be a professional speaker or something like that? And I remember calling an agency. I won't say who it was, but I remember calling a speaking agency or a speaking bureau in Australia. And the guy who picked up the phone was like, he basically gave me a minute monologue on to be a speaker. You've got to be, 
you've got to be the best in the world or something. You've got to be engaging. You've got to be funny. You've got to be entertaining. You've got to leave people wanting more. You've got all these things. And he said, do you know how many people call me up every week wanting to be a speaker? And I said, no. And he said, a hundred. And he said, do you know how many people get to be speakers? And I was like, no. And he said, minus three. And I thought, oh, okay, I can't. That's too much for me. I, 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 it wasn't interesting anymore. So I hung up the phone. So it all, and now I you know, have a very busy speaking schedule somehow. And I think probably the same goes for speaking, the same goes for the, a TV show, which I haven't reached out for any of this. It's all come onto my plate somehow, is I'm just driven by my purpose. I love what I do. I wouldn't change a thing. And I think when you're in a position where you can say that truthfully, like no, no bullshit, you really are, the world conspires to support that. And it sounds a little bit hippity-dippity, but I've got no shadow of a doubt that that is the way that this has happened. With that said, there's a lot of ways to get to a point where I am. There's a lot of people reverse engineer stuff. A lot of people go, right, I want to, and there's a lot of workshops around this too for anyone who is interested in reverse engineering stuff. If you just want to get on a stage, it's probably not that hard. You probably, I mean, I, I think they teach you to, Pretend that you're the person of influence in your space, then create social media, media accounts around that, develop some kind of talk. I listened to a guy speak one time. He'd walked the length of India, and I, it was, I only got the back end of the talk. And I said uh, afterwards, I was like, wow, I, I missed the, what was the context? It's an incredible story. And he said, well, I just wanted to talk on stage about something, so I thought I should do something. So I just walked across India, and I thought, it's oh, interesting. So look, there's a million ways to do stuff. I like the way I've done it. I, it's been completely accidental and driven by the right ways. And um, not to say other ways aren't right, but yeah, people can be very creative when, when, when they want to, and, and which is a beautiful thing when it comes to pursuing a goal. But yeah, all mine has been a wonderful mistake. Wow, yeah. I mean, what a, what a crazy state to blossom into like an amazing life. And I think one, one thing that stands out from, when, from what you just said was actually authenticity. You, you have a real authenticity about you. And I've noticed that other people kind of picking up on that as well. Where do you think that authenticity comes from? And how, and because and, you'd also talk about no bullshit, which, which relates to it, but yeah. how do you clear the way so, you're, so you can be purely authentic? I've never thought how to be authentic, so I don't know. Well, I think it just stems from that first thing I mentioned, which was in grieving my friend's loss. I truly came to a conclusion through writing, which is how I kind of deal with a lot of things, that happiness was the most important thing that I wanted in my life. And I based everything off that. Every decision since has been that. How do I just feel happy either in this moment or long-term? How do I, from that, try and find purpose that will support me smiling more? And that's it. I just, I don't, I don't see a need to think about anything else. And, and uh, yeah, and, and that, that's been that. And because of it, I, you know, I dare say that, you know, the people who are already living in that way know exactly what I'm talking about. But the, as I said, the world conspires to support you. I mean, nothing but good people, nothing but good things generally happen. And yeah, it's, it, it, it's wonderful. And, and I, again, okay, I, I just talk about a lot of random things off my head, but I mean, it's not that things happen that things happen that don't always work in my favor, but at the same time, you can't control everything. And, and at the end of the day, nothing really matters, but you do get to control your response to things. So like whatever the situation is, you lost your job, you don't have money, you, you know, you, you experience loss and grief in your life. All of those things, uh, even though uh, against what you would ideally have, 
they are all ultimately opportunities for you to choose a response which aligns with who you are. And yeah, I just think we're, you know, we're just pinballs going through life and you can bounce off, you can bounce off anything really if you choose to. Yeah. So I've never really thought about how to be authentic, but I know why I'm doing what I do. And I think about that every day. If there's one thing that motivates you right now, if you could give one word that motivates you, what would that be? Gets you out of bed, makes you, gets you to take action, to make decisions on something. What would that be? You can have a a couple of words or more if you like, but I'm just trying to narrow your options so you really focus. Yeah. I got an email recently from someone who said that they were on the verge of killing themselves, but didn't because of the stuff that we're doing with Kindsome and a hundred things. So I wouldn't change anything in my life for a billion dollars. And all I want to be able to do is create a platform where there are more people like that who are affected in the same way, i.e. gaining inspiration or connecting with someone. So that's it. So the one word I was going to say is now. I just feel very like like now. It's now. And uh, yeah, every day I'm just, I'm focused on that. I I mean, I really am. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I've asked some of the other interviewees, what's, and this is something I'm going to ask you now is, if you consider yourself burning with from within, as in your 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 life, you're lit up from within, and you've already said it, you wouldn't change your life for a billion dollars. So something within you is burning within that, that's making you happy. What is the one thing that is uh, contributing to you burning within? Um, okay, I, I love your questions. They're awesome. Well, look, I think everyone's special. I think everyone's got their thing. And I think if you're able to tap down into it, that's a life worth living. And the more I explore what and who I am, and the more that I see that ripple effect getting bigger and bigger and more and more positive, I just want to bring out more of whatever it is that's within me. And there's some good stuff in there. And uh, I hope that doesn't come across in the wrong way. You know, this self-loving, overly self-loving way. I just think that, yeah, uh, there's something happening which is very special and the natural byproduct is that lives are getting bettered and saved. I, that's what I commit to doing. So, yeah, that's what's burning from within, just more of what's happening. Just, yeah. I mean, I really, I, I mean, I, not to make this too conversational as if I'm talking to just a friend, but, I mean, right now, the beginning of 2020, I've never been more fired up about anything and I've been pretty fired up about things for 10 years. I, I, there's something happening right now that is incredibly special. And I I hope everyone else feels the same thing. But for me personally, there's, yeah, I just feel like we're on the brink of something really special and that, and I I know it and I feel it. And I, that's what keeps, that's what gets me out of bed. That's what is burning from within. I hope that makes sense. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. Uh, And just the final question, just to follow up to that. You, I mean, it seems like you have a lot of natural talents. You have a kind of gift where you connect with people in some way. And you, I mean, even just watching your TED talk, um, there was definitely a, a lot of emotion. I was kind of choking up on, on some of the things you, you said, and, you know, how you've helped people. I, I mean, were you aware of your, of your natural talents before you started this journey? And if not, or if so, how have you leaned into them so that you, so you're fulfilling this potential and this purpose of yours? No, I didn't know myself when I first left. So I had no idea. And I think I've become a lot just generally more confident as I've grown over the last 10 years. But I've certainly learned a lot of things about myself, which, you know, I'm really proud of. 
you know, for me, so thank you for the nice words. And yeah, like I, I, I really enjoy storytelling. I really enjoy communicating with people on, on things that I think matter. I really seem to be a conduit for positive connections between people. And I also have some odd, it's not a skill, but this thing where people very much open up to me and I feel very you know, blessed for that to be a thing. And equally, because of the kind of person I'm learning I am, I, I also like to try and do what I can for that person either myself or connecting them elsewhere. So yeah, long story short, no, I had no idea. I had no idea about myself and I've learned a lot of things along the way. I do a lot of these workshops on lists and how to create and pursue lists and stuff. And one of the segments in there that I just think is crucial and it's probably quite a done thing, I don't really know, but it's strengths. People find it very hard to, if I, I mean, let's do it now if you don't mind. What are three of your strengths? I'm a good listener. I love making deep connections with people and I love building communities as well. Awesome. That's great. And to do what you, I mean, what you've just done there is quite hard for the majority of people. You know, we're, we're, it's almost seen as, you know, it's a bit arrogant if you know what it is you're good at. And the truth is you have to use your skills. And this is something I've learned more recently, but it, it'd be stupid if you didn't use whatever natural gifts that you had in order to get to a place where you think you're making impact. Like if you think of Muhammad Ali, the greatest boxer of all time, let's say, and you know, he was, he was brilliant in and out of the ring. He had fast hands. He was a gifted thinker. He could outsmart people. He could get people psychologically beaten before they went in the ring through his being funny and stuff. So he just used all those things. He, he wasn't ever like the most powerful hitter. He wasn't anything other, you know, he, was, he was what he was. And so he trained on that. He used his best assets so that he would get the furthest and that happened to be the greatest ever. So yeah, it, it makes complete sense. You should be able to look at yourself and go, I'm good at this, this and this. Therefore, I'm going to use those things to move forward. And it also helps you to discover more of who you are. That, that big question you, you talked about at the beginning of, well, I, I lost myself and I didn't know who I was. And, and the more activities you do, the more challenges you do, the more you get out of your comfort zone, the more you realise your strengths and then the more you realise actually who you are and, and what you're about. A hundred percent. And back to your question, that's why travelling is important. That's why different experiences are important. That's why getting out of your comfort zone is crucial because we tend not to because we like to be comfortable. We know what we're capable of in, in this small environment, but outside of that, who knows? So if you step out there suddenly and you perform on some level that you never realized you could, what a great find. So getting out of your comfort zone is crucial. Sure. Seb, thank you so much. So many nuggets there um, from this interview. And um, I'll provide a summary to, to you and, and the listeners uh, watching. Um, and obviously this is, this is going into, into the book as well. Where can people uh, find you and connect with you? Well, anywhere, really. Like, <laughs> Coffee shops in Venice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most coffee shops in Venice. Um, so Kindsome for kindness-related stuff, K-I-N-D-S-U-M. Instagram handle is at Kindsome, kindsome.com. And then for the 100 Things stuff, lists related, pursuing goals, dreams, happiness, purpose, 100 things, 100things.com.au or at Seb100things. Yeah. Find me. Find me and chat. All the good things. Perfect. Awesome. And uh, what's... What's the plan for, for this year? What's next for Seb, Seb Terry? Well, 
so one thing I'm not good at, it's also good to identify things you're not fantastic at. One thing I'm not fantastic at is business, strategy and all that sort of stuff. So with Kinds and with 100 Things, they're essentially two quite big brands and I've never really done anything with them because I've just been very happy doing these things. More recently, I've realized that because I've limited the growth of these things, you know, in relation to how, how many people know about them, et cetera, the impact's not as big as it could be. So I want to grow them. And so I'm toying, that's why I'm going to Boston, actually. I'm toying with the idea of getting somebody on board as a partner who is business-minded to look at this and say, right, to make the most amount of impact, this is what we need to do from a strategic viewpoint. Let's do it. And I, 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 there's never a conversation I've had. So that's next for me, growing this, growing Kynesome. Kynesome's going to be, I believe, a, a, I don't know, a real big, I hate using cliche terms. I think it's going to be a bit of a game changer when it comes to kindness, you know, both in the public forum. And then also I think it can do a lot of really good stuff with corporations. So yeah, um, that's it. Kindsome, growing this, taking that next proper step into a world that I'm not really sure about out of my comfort zone, but I just know it, it has to happen. So that's it. It's uh, I'm yeah. So I'm taking my first step as we all are. Awesome, Seb. Well, I mean, I, I wish you the very best of luck with that. And um, I'm going to be using Kindsome straight after this. And anyone watching this, you know, start using the platform, start getting into the habit of, of giving and 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 also asking for help if you need to and That's see how one. that see how that changes your life and it changes other people's lives and that it's a stepping stone for for greater things and that I, I think with anyone that has good intentions um, in terms of the actions that they take you'll get help you'll get help and and that's what Kindsome is all about. And um, yeah, I thank you so much. I'm very, very grateful for your time and this interview. And um, if anyone can help Seb to grow Kindsome, maybe potential partners, then feel free to, to message me or message Seb. And um, let's get this thing really going this year. Even, thank even you. more. You're awesome, Matt. Best of luck with everything you're up to as well. Thank you. Awesome. Have a great day. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the show. I wanted to give you a free gift for listening the whole way through. If you are feeling lost or empty inside or on a life or career path you don't want to be on, perhaps trapped in a cycle of stress and burnout, you might be asking, what do I do? Rather than letting experts tell you what to do, it might be time to really connect with yourself. Most of my guests on the show meditate Many journal to get clarity. And one powerful way I know to connect with your unconscious is through visualizations. So before you fire off a load of resumes for a quick fix or drown your sorrows at the weekend with unhealthy habits, download my free simple workbook and audio guide to experience with all your senses a future where you are actually burning from within, living full of passion, purpose and balance visit www.burnfromwithin.com forward slash experience to get insight and motivation from the best expert and coach in the world, you. Feel free to share this with a friend. And until next time, live with passion, purpose and balance and burn from within.